Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 11 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So, just sort of thinking about this, and considering the forthcoming episodes, I was kind of, um, of mixed feelings about this episode, The Miracle of Rush Valley. Just because on previous watch-throughs of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, I always thought it was kind of the weakest episode, but I've sort of been... I guess thinking about it in juxtaposition to the previous episode, and I'm thinking I might revise my opinion a little bit. Because, like, on the one hand, it seems just like, well, basically plot filler. You know, it doesn't really do anything for the plot. It's just sort of Winry gushing over Automail and the Elric brothers sort of being towed along for the ride, but... Without spoiling the episode, there's a bit more to it, and I'm wondering if seeing it this time, I'll, um, I guess pick up on something I hadn't really considered before. I suspect I might. So it seems that even in this sort of automail engineer enclave, uh, Ed Elric's prosthetics are um, I guess regarded well for their significant quality. I mean that really says something considering that Winry is 
you know what, like a, a mid-teenager, and she managed to craft such a, well, striking set of automail. So here's something real interesting. You know, there's a pickpocket, and the whole town basically just says, you know, yeah, it, it must have been that pickpocket that we know by name. That just strikes me as really scummy of them. I mean, I feel like having a town pickpocket that everybody knows by name is a mark of not a place anybody should really want to visit. Oh dear. I mean, clearly the desert heat's getting to them. Well, I guess desert might not be quite right, but they're sort of walking through what is evidently some sort of canyon. You know, it puts me in mind of the Grand Canyon in Arizona, so I guess that's where I'm getting the hot weather from. You know, he can really move when he wants to. And I don't think this is something that's initially appreciable, but that's a absolutely fantastic feat of alchemy. You know, when I believe his name was Isaac from the first episode was doing his business, you know, essentially trying to freeze over an entire city, he had to place circles all over the city in a big pattern in order to get something like that going. But Ed can seemingly do stuff on the same order of magnitude Without, I guess, any real preparation beforehand. You know, that's pretty incredible how she manages to kick through what seem to be iron bars. Just because... Her prosthetic leg has a blade built into it. I mean, one would think, or at least I would think, that if you have a prosthetic limb and you kick something really sturdy, no matter how strong the artificial limb is, I feel like the weak point would be the point at which it adheres to the body. And... I don't know. I'm not in a position to have a prosthetic limb, but if I did, I think I would be loath to strain it or irritate it in any way. You know, I think I mentioned it briefly before. I'm an engineer by trade, but I've actually taken a biomedical engineering class before in college, and it's very interesting stuff. You know, when you get down to it, the human body can be approximated as an amalgamation of several different machines. Like, it... It's an interesting business trying to come up with replacements for what the human body naturally comes with. Because, obviously... You know, you're not going to make something better than what used to be there, but, you know, in many cases you can do something pretty darn good.
So this old guy's a real curmudgeon. You know, I guess we could sort of take that as red, given how, despite being an automobile mechanic, he lives way out in the middle of nowhere, away from anyone and everyone else. Well, you know what, maybe he's got good reasons to be so gruff and stubborn. You know, given that the series is sort of taking place in like a weird, anachronistic, alternate, like, early 20th century, I'd imagine being an old guy in those times means you have seen significantly horrible things. You know, that's kind of something I think a lot of people take for granted in that Life is often basically a whole lot of suffering and not much else. And, you know, peace is not the natural state of things. So, you know, maybe it's because I'm now older and have a different perspective on life, but I thought this episode was kind of trite and wrote initially like this whole pregnancy business and the way the Elric brothers sort of talked about it but I don't know the more I think about it now I think they are effectively correct you know their whole business about trying to find the philosopher's stone to fix their bodies and potentially even bring their mother back but the Philosopher's Stone is in creating life, whereas the human body is capable of creating human life. Albeit, you know, a different brand new life, and it's not capable of resurrecting the dead. So despite being a miserable, gruff old man, he seems to have a soft spot in that, you know, he can't just let a crippled orphan be miserable and limbless, you know. And the way he did it was interesting because he's very clearly doing it out of a sense of kindness, but he's not, he's not being nice about it. If that makes any sense. It kind of strikes me as that trope of good not being nice, you know? Like, you can do good things, but you don't necessarily have to be a nice person in the sense that, you know, evil is to be destroyed and not bargained with. I don't know if that makes much sense, but I guess, you know, good and nice are not the same thing, even if they are conflated oftentimes. You know, it seems like it really didn't take much convincing to, uh, convince the thief to turn over a new leaf.
Alright, so the plot's thickening a bit. Ed's pocket watch has been sealed shut deliberately. And Winry's doing a little snooping. So there's a little inscription carved inside, and I think it's pretty clear what that date refers to. You know, it seems to me that it was probably better left unopened. I mean, it's not like Winry doesn't know anything about that, but you know, if she thought she might find something salacious there... Alright, so now things seem to be getting, uh, really real. You know, whether it's ahead of schedule or just sort of unexpected, uh, the baby's on its way, and there's not much anyone can do about it. You know, the torrential rainstorm is preventing anyone from getting to the hospital, so... The old man's going to get a doctor, and in the meantime, they're just gonna have to sort of, um... Well, try and hold things in check. Unfortunately, it seems like the Elric brothers might have to step up. You know, I think it's nice that when everybody is freaking out about it, Winry manages to sort of Take charge and marshal everyone. I mean, granted, you know, she even freely admits that she has no experience with this sort of thing, but... You know, one way or another, it's gotta get done. She seems to have a reasonable idea of what sort of things one would need. In terms of towels, hot water, disinfectant... I mean, obviously, it's not going to be a comfortable endeavor, although giving birth rarely is, as I understand it. I mean, I can sort of understand why the father-to-be would be a little unsettled about this whole predicament. But at the same time, you know, if you're holding out for a doctor, you know, there's only so long you can wait, and someone who has a little bit of medical experience is certainly better than no one at all. Speaking of things I hadn't really noticed before, I believe the music that's playing right now is what played when Ed and Ale had their little misadventure with transmuting life. And it's a rather foreboding piece of music. Like, I already know what's going to happen, but I feel like if I were watching this for the first time, I would be a little... Uh, I guess anxious as to what the outcome might be. 
Now that is a little interesting line I didn't see before. You know, Ed even admits that he doesn't really believe in God, but if God would just intercede this once, you know, that would be nice. It seems like they're pulling a bit of a fast one here, you know, the way everyone is tired and panting and blood-soaked and they say, wow, that's a lot of blood. They're almost trying to pull a fast one and make it seem like things ended much more messily than they ended up doing. So I find it funny that Ed sort of mentions what I was talking about before, in that a person creating a new person is something that even alchemy cannot do. And therefore, you know, that's still God 1, Alchemist 0. You know, I'm sort of having a couple of mixed feelings about this whole business. Because on the one hand, the Elric brothers were just sort of sitting outside, not really helping. But on the other side... You know, if there are too many cooks in the kitchen, I feel like that's a, a good way to cause trouble and delay. That's definitely not what you ought to do if you're trying to deliver a baby without a real doctor around. Oh dear. So it seems uh, prying open that watch really was the wrong thing to do here. Not even Alphonse knows about what's carved inside that watch, so that Winry is now privy to the secret. I'd imagine that's a fair bit of guilt weighing on her, but... At the same time, you know, this is something the two of them share. Okay, so you know what? I was wrong. It wasn't the day they brought back their mother, it was instead the day that they decided they would leave and never return and they burned down their own house. Bit of a drastic step, if you ask me, but uh, what else can you do? These are extraordinary circumstances. You know what, I think I'm going to take back what I said earlier about this episode not being all that great.
I think it's definitely far from the best episode, but it does pull a fair bit of its own weight here, narratively speaking, in that Ed and Winry have a moment, we learn a bit more about what the Elrics have done, you know, they sort of, I guess, well, they make a couple new friends, you know? Like, it's not the most impactful episode, but there are a couple little nuggets here and there that I think are worth it. You know, I'm thinking that this is probably my favorite scene that I had sort of forgotten about. That, in the presence of his new grandchild, old Dominic there, sort of warms up and almost becomes a different person. Oh, Ed Elric, you cheeky rat, you've managed to squeeze a recommendation out of him on Winry's behalf. You know, Griff though he is, old Dominic isn't that bad. You know... Despite being a gruff old man, he's still willing to have Winry around on occasion as well as the pickpocket.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.